Taki Taranaki Iwi, Taranaki Rohe, and I've recently moved back to and I recently moved back to Mum um, to uh, New Plymouth uh, after being away for 23 years. So I've um, sort of uh, travelled all around the Mutu, um, taking a bit of a long journey before I, uh, I came back home again. And I'll see if I can stand a little bit. Just so I don't want any barriers between us. <laughs> It's not as cold down here as I thought it was. So thank you for having me here. And uh, like Nick said, I, I feel like the Lord has given me a very specific message to speak around the Motu uh, in the last uh, few months. And I've been, I've sought to be really faithful uh, to do, um, to be obedient to what I, I have heard and to to translate what, what I believe um, the Lord is saying. And and I realise too, you know, that um, that the nature of of uh, the gifting that God has given to me and the, the particular calling that He's given to me has been to. Um, in some ways to prepare the way for, for what he either is doing but in the secret place or he's about to do and uh, it's not it's not a gift that's any any better than any other gift um, the, the gifts that we are given are given by God and our main responsibility is we're going to be faithful to outwork the gift that we've been given nothing more nothing less and uh, it is our responsibility to be faithful to the gift. You know, the, the story of the talents that he gave um, to, to one person, he gave uh, 10 talents, to another he gave five, and to uh, another he gave um, one. And, and that it wasn't about the amount of the gift that was given, it was about the responsibility to be faithful to that particular gift. And um, I, I think that for too long we've, we've gotten... Um, caught up by, the, by the, um, the spirit of the world that says that somehow we've got to um, uh, compare ourselves, but it's like comparing apples to pears or, you know, um, pears to chocolate. <laughs> you actually can't do it, and yet somehow like, we, we, we struggle and, and um, jostle. And I, I believe that that's something that's happening at the moment. So anybody that has... Uh, um, you know, Paul said, I wish that all could prophesy. So all of us has the potential to hear God and to outwork what we hear. So um, we've, we've made it so, and it's such an elite thing to be uh, prophetic. And yes, there is the offer of a prophet. But as Paul said, I, I desire that all uh, could prophesy. That means the ability is for every person that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, that they have the potential to hear God and to outwork what they're hearing. It's very simple, isn't it? Mm. And uh, so for anybody that's got any sense of um, hearing God will know that God is up to something at the moment in Aotearoa. It's very clear, it's very specific that there's something going on. But what I'm seeing is that there, there appears to be like this jostling that's going on, you know, jostling for position. There's no position in the kingdom. Everybody has their place that God has ordained and desired from the foundation of the earth. And I'm not to say this to you, but this, I, I feel like it's, it's, been, it's, it's been interesting for the sense that I've been feeling coming to speak to you. As I know you're a, you know, you're, you're a relatively small church, you're new beginnings, but I felt like God was, was it called me to speak to um, actually bigger than who you are, uh, and, and in some ways I'm, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking um, above you as well, I'm speaking into something that's going on in Aotearoa at the moment, and you have an invitation, God's giving you an invitation to partner with him and what he's doing in our nation right now. So um, this, this sense of uh, this, this, this jostling for position 
And, and I'm telling you now so that when you begin to see it, you understand, oh, this is that. Not for judgment, but so that you understand, so that you would pray, so that the purposes of God will be fulfilled in our land, in our nation. So, um, and like I said to you before, I, I feel like this, this thing that's taking place at the moment, uh, there's no need for it because we all have our place. And, um, and that our sort of, um, uh, the purpose for a community is so that, that, that we can help each one to know their place. And that's the beautiful um, gift that God gives to community. You know, when we think about church, we immediately think about a building. But a church is just a community of people, a gathering of people who, um, who believe that, that Jesus Christ um, was born of a virgin, that, that um, uh, was crucified, that laid down his life for us, for our sins, was resurrected, and um, has returned to the Father waiting for the day that when he will come again. So if, as long as those are the, are the principles, uh, you're a church. And I think that we are starting to see a shift in the way that we understand what church is. And again, I want to say that as a, as I'll tell, I feel like I'm speaking fast. But I've got an old lot to say. So I'm going to try and slow down. But I just, and, and if, if this feels um, like it's, it's too much for you, uh, please, if, if you can, just say, God, open my spirit to that which I can't quite understand yet. And, and, and if you are willing, or if this has touched your heart in a way, that you would maybe go and watch the, um, I know that it, it's been put on um, your, your, your page, your private page, to maybe go and have a look at this again. Um, because I felt like, um, in some ways, you represented what God was wanting to do. Because it's, it's the, the small, hidden way places, the not the big names or the big people, it's God is doing this thing in a way that is least likely and least to be expected. And I believe for you, Kori Mako, he is inviting you on a journey to partner with him in what he is wanting to do in Aotearoa and what has already begun. And, and um, I begin this by saying that um, that what has been, um, what God is doing is is hidden in plain sight. So I did, I did have a um, one picture. That I'm just going to get you to put up. That, um, so, so you see that. So that's a rudu. Because the, the the message that the Lord has given to me is that um, that we're in the season of the rudu. You know what a rudu is? It's the owl. And uh, and the rudu is indigenous uh, to Aotearoa. That's not a, a, a rudy by the way. That is a barn owl. Yeah, we do have barn owls here in New Zealand. But I couldn't find a, a rudy to, uh, for this particular thing that I want to do. But we are in the season of the rudy, which means that God is giving us the ability to be able to see in the dark. But the thing is, is that, um, that it's not going to look like what we expect. It's going to be hidden in plain sight. And, um, and I think one of the examples, and I've shared this around, is that, um, that um, like the song, Whakaria Mai. So we're all familiar with Whakaria Mai. So when I sing, Whakaria Mai, Tauri Peka Kia, Tia Ho Mai, Raroto Ete Po, you immediately think, then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. And even for people that know the real, they'll actually switch to thinking in terms of the of the melody rather than the kupu. So we think Fakaria Mai is then sings my soul, my saviour gone to thee. But but like that kupu is I see the cross ever illuminated, let it shine in the darkest night. I see it there, so fix my gaze upon it. In life and death, I find my rest in thee. 
So that song, if you think about the, the Muslim, um, the mass shooting that, that happened down in Christchurch, or is that, is that three years ago now? Um, two years ago? Two and a half years ago. That, that, um, that, that song was actually sung in front of 2,000 Muslims. And the way that it happened was that um, Holly Smith, who sang it with teats, for an album that had, I'm just going to give you the, the back story. Uh, it was an album that had been on the heart of a man called Murray Tom for about 15 years. He's a Christian. And uh, he wanted all the, the old hymns to be um, sung by the latest artists in New Zealand. So that had been on his heart for 15 years. So he produces this album and Teeps and, and Holly Smith, who are, who are both well known in the um, New Zealand music scene, they stand for Kāri Mai. Holly Smith used to be the partner of, of Clark Gayford, who's now the fiancé of Jacinda Ardern. She sends it to Clark. This is going in and out. Is it, is it, um, I, I'm happy just to go back to you. So um, she sends it to... Oh, we're in, a, we're in a bit of a mess today. <laughs> I don't want to trip over in front of you. Let's start again. So she sends it to, to Clark Gayford. He starts crying when he hears it. He plays it to Jacinda, his fiance. The mass shooting happens, and and um, she said we need to sing that song uh, at the at the um, mass shooting memorial. So, in front of 2,000 Muslims, I see the cross ever illuminated. Let it shine in the darkest night. I see it there, so fix my gaze upon it. In life and death, I find my rest in thee. That's been hidden in plain sight. You think the demons don't understand the real and they only understand English? <laughs> God was, was proclaiming who he is in a way that the church would never be able to do. Yeah. And he's um, begin, beginning to lift the lid so that a lot more of those things are beginning to happen. So a little bit like this, Ruru, if you show that the next page, can you see that? It's hidden in plain sight. The Ruru's still there, it's just it's his turn. Can you see it? That's what we're talking about. This, this God is positioning people and situations that are that are going to be hidden in plain sight. And can you just put the other one back? I'll just get you to move it up. We'll just leave it there because I think that's a good picture. So we haven't been this way before. You know, it says that um, there's no new thing under the sun. And that's right, but there's new ways of doing something that's already been. And if you think about uh, God moving, the previous moves of God, and what a lot of people are expecting is that, um, that God will over, uh, overlay a revival or a move of God on the old way or, or the old system. And I'm saying to you today that God is doing a new thing, and it's not going to look the way that we think. That um, we are in a, in a particular and I believe unique situation in Aotearoa that um, that God is going to gift us if if we the church the representatives of Jesus Christ can get this that God is going to gift the nations with the revelation that He's given to us because we've always been a missional people always Aotearoa like from the even from the great navigators. That came here from Hawaii, Nui, Hawaii, or Hawaii, Pamama. These great navigators that could traverse um, thousands of kilometres uh, only by looking at the stars, or the or the or the way that the clouds moved, or the winds, or the currents of the sea, that they could navigate their way to here. 
and not like that picture of Goldie where it looked like they, they, they arrived and they only just survived. They came here as mighty warriors and they traversed the Pacific back and forth, back and forth because they were expert navigators. And that gifting, that navigational gift God is going to use to send out to the nations of the world. He's going to send us out. But, but he's going to give us something to send out. And that's where I feel we're right now, right at this pivotal time right now. So, what I believe God is, is doing is that there is a move of God that's currently happening in Taomai. It's deep in the Māori world. God is revealing himself in significant ways. And uh, I believe that the gifting of the church is uh, he is wanting to you to partner, us to partner with him and what he's doing in Taomai. And that's going to be the key thing. It's like, how do we navigate that? Because, and I remember like maybe five years ago, I, I, I had this picture. The Lord gave me this word that the walls of the church were collapsing out. Not collapsing in, but collapsing out. And that means that we are going out. But not in the terms of like, we, we think, you know, historically we've, we've thought like missions. I go out and I grab the people and I bring them back in. I bring them into a fold. But this, I believe, is about going, us going out. And how do we take this community out is going to be um, the, the next uh, uh, way that we understand uh, what the Lord is doing uh, in this nation. So, you know, like historically, um, I, I, I know that because of what we've seen happen uh, with Māori and after the, the decimation that happened with land loss and then, uh, you know, with colonisation. And, uh, and I, I know that you're probably aware of it. I know that you as a, a church have been wanting to track with that to, to, to actually know your, your, your own history. But what I'm, what I'm seeing personally is that, you know, historically the church has been there to... Um, help Māori because, you know, we're being the, the, the lowest paid, the, the, the poorest, the most broken. We're the ones that, that um, the food banks were set up for or, the, or the, the home shelters. But you know what I'm seeing rising in Te Māori? I'm seeing these young, educated, confident, fluent in the real, lovers of Jesus, not ashamed to proclaim who he is beginning to rise up in Tiamat. That's what I'm seeing happening. And what do we do with that? <laughs> because historically, they've been there, and we've been there, and this is what we've done. So with the narrative changing, and you've got to remember, narratives are principalities. It's like colonisation is a principality. It's a, and because colonisation just doesn't affect the people that were colonised, it also affects the colonisers. So you get sucked up into a narrative. You know, and I know that, that people are sick of going, you know, being called racist, you know, on both sides. <laughs> but it's like, so how do we change the narrative? How do we break the power of that principality? We change the narrative in ourselves. We change the narrative amongst our communities, and that's when we begin to see the difference. That's when we begin to see the point of change. So this 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 rising up of these the, the, um, these young Māori, they're deep thinkers. They are um, they are theologians, and they are navigating. A new way of understanding to Paipera Tapu. And as someone said uh, here this morning about the, the intrinsic um, uh, need for the Po of the Paipera Tapu. Absolutely, 100%, the Word of God. I live by the Word of God. And I, I search out Scripture. I, I love Scripture. It's life to me. It gives me the revelation of who Jesus is, who God the Father is, who Wairua Tapu is. It gives me an understanding of who I am in Him. 
It gives me a sense of understanding of my call and responsibility uh, to this earth. It gives me um, an understanding of how important people are, e tangata, how important uh, 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 te is, how important this earth is, and how these things matter to God. So I love it. But I believe that, that um, there is a fresh understanding of the Paipera Tapu that's coming, and it's coming through the grid of Te Ao Māori. Now, what we're going to do with that is going to be the question. What are we going to do with that which we don't fully understand? Do we dismiss it? Do we, put the, we hold the reins? Or do we actually trust that perhaps God is doing something new? And I might not fully understand it, but will I be brave enough to hold that space, the tension of the not knowing? Will I be brave enough to do that? Is the question that God's putting out at the moment. Who's seen um, um, The Matrix? And you know, like um, Morpheus said to me, it's like an itch in your mind. It's like this little thing here that you just, like, if this is the Lord, this thing will be stirring up in you, and you won't have full understanding for it. You won't have, you won't have the full picture, but he's inviting you to hold the space, hold that tension of that which you don't fully understand yet. You know, one of the things I've been asking a lot of people as I've been traveling around sharing this message, I'm particularly interested and asking uh, those ones that came to faith during the, the um, Jesus Revolution of the 60s and 70s. It sort of it was 60s and 70s, and then it sort of like um, tailed off into the 80s. I think I come at the back end of that, that Jesus move. But I clearly remember um, in the 70s, I, I was like 13 years old. No one had told me about Jesus. But I had this overwhelming desire to know more about him. I was 13 years old. And you know why I wanted to know about him? Because the number one hit was, Guy that rivers <laughs> And so I wanted to know about that song, which I knew was from scripture, and I wanted to know more about it. And I just remember this time very clearly, I'd taken my nephew to watch the very first Star Wars. And... Uh, there was a Christian uh, Bible um, store across the road from the picture theatre, and I snuck in there. I was so embarrassed of it all to see me going into a Christian bookstore. <laughs> and I went in, and I bought a Good News Bible, and I bought it, and I ended up walking out with a poster of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at that time, it was all like Bay City Rollers, and I can't remember who else it was. Um, some, somebody might remember. But I had Jesus' poster, and it was, like, it was so bizarre, you know. But obviously, there's this, this sense of calling that was going on, and anybody that had a heart um, uh, uh, for God, even though they didn't fully understand it, was being moved and motivated. I believe that's happening again. Right now, there's another stirring that's going on where people are being called and, and awakened and provoked. And what is going to be our place and our responsibility as we see this unfolding? So, um, in, this, in, in that time of the Jesus Revolution, the very people that had prayed and laid down their lives in intercession when it began to show itself and outwork itself, they were the ones that ultimately rejected it because it didn't come in the package that they were expecting. Because it came via the hippies and the druggies and the ones with dirty hair and bare feet and board shorts walking into their nicely um, um, pretty churches with their nice carpet and their, and their nice pews and they couldn't understand that it would be God, and they turned and they rejected it. Now, some of you were part of that, weren't you? I know one there in purple. <laughs> and I just, you know, look, I've done quite a bit of research around it, and the two main guys who helped to, to move it, because it started first in America, was a guy called Lonnie Frisbee, um, yes, I know, unusual name, and uh, another guy called Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith was very conservative. He had a church. It was the, um, what's the name of the church? The Calvary Chapel, thank you. And, uh, and he was very conservative. The church was uh, dwindling in numbers. He was thinking about closing the church. 
and then this, uh, he hears about this thing that's going on with these hippies. And I mean, even if you hear uh, the stories about how he came to faith, it was, I, I won't go there, but it was, it was pretty extreme. Something that you would be horrified almost to probably hear. And yet God called this young man, and then this, the, this uh, chance encounter with Chuck Smith, um, one, one night he, um, there's a knock on the door, Chuck Smith opens it, and it's, it's his daughter's boyfriend with this guy, Lonnie Frisbee, and he's disgusted by him. He calls, you know, one of his quotes was, those dirty hippies, they need to go and take a bath. And there in front of him is this guy, Lonnie Frisbee. Well, God starts to move in this church. One day a lady comes up to him, very concerned, and says, but what about the carpet? <laughs> because they just had new carpet laid, and all these people coming in, you know, dirty with their bare feet. And you know what he said? He said, we'll rip the carpet up if we have to, and we'll sit on the concrete. So my question is, and now I take this question around the country, what is your carpet? What is your carpet that you're resistant uh, to understand that perhaps God is moving in a new way? What needs to be ripped up in our thinking? Because if, if, this, is, if, if this is true, that God is moving in Te Māori, how do we position ourselves for this move? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're egocentric, so we just think that if God's going to move, we're going to be in the centre of it. But historically, if you've looked back at different moves of God and revivals, that's never been the case. He's always moved outside of the established church. Always. And then he gives the invitation to the church, come and partner with me to this new move that's taking place out there. And disappointingly, the numbers of people that have resisted it have been many. I, this guy come up to me, um, I spoke at a church in Christchurch. He came up to me afterwards and he said that in the 70s, um, that they got caught up uh, in the charismatic uh, move. And he was a part of the Presbyterian church, not, you know, not bad in Presbyterians at all. Um, because God is moving quite significantly in some um, Presbyterian churches right now, actually. And, um, but uh, he said that he was a farmer, and he said that the minister came in a small regalia with the elders to actually say to this man that it was full-on witchcraft and he was in deception. And that was happening everywhere. So this sort of sense of that which we don't understand or know, we have the potential to reject it. That can't be God. Because God moves like this. There we go putting God in a box again. <laughs> God's moving like this. God moves however he wants to move. But like I said, the invitation has gone out. I just want to read the scripture. This is Matthew 22. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. This is verse uh, 2. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. That's the second invitation to the same guests, right? I'm just making that point. The second invitation to the same guests. But they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field and another to his business. Now I found it interesting that both of the decisions were commercially based. It's just my observation. The rest seized the servants and mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. So I, I, my point here was that uh, the king prepared a banquet for his son's wedding and he said to his servants, go out, the invitation has gone out. But they did not listen. And I know absolutely that my place at this time 
is to call the church into this invitation, to this banquet, to partner with what God is doing in Tiao Māori. That is my purpose and my place. Because the, the churches that I go to are predominantly Papia. Uh, a lot of them are on this journey, which I, I acknowledge and I, and I so appreciate that you're understanding uh, what does it mean to be uh, two peoples becoming one, Hitahi What does it mean to uh, outwork that? And I love that uh, and I honour the journey that you've been on and the journey that you continue to be on. And I say to you today that the invitation has gone out to partner with what he wants to do, or what he is doing in Te Ao Māori, and he wants to bring you in to that banquet. He wants to bring you in to this invitation. But, but you need to know that the invitation is not open-ended. I believe there is a cut-off point for this invitation. He's not asking for much. You know, this, um, the, 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 the wife of this, this man who told me about what happened to him, she said to me, um, when I said what I said to you, that you, you might not necessarily understand this. You don't have to. He's calling you to come to the place of faith and trust once again. The way that we're supposed to live our lives anyway. Not having a plan B or plan G or plan H. Actually coming to that place of trusting him. If he is who he says he is, can I not trust him? Can I not trust that he will speak to me in a way that I can understand? Is he such a hard taskmaster that he'll cause me to do something and then, um, and then not even help me to navigate or to govern what he's calling me to do? Of course not. He's a loving, good and loving father. And he invites us into this journey. So, uh, all he's asking for is obedience. That's all. You know, um, uh, back to Matthew, Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like the man who builds his house on the sand. The winds came, the rains came, and, and, and the house fell, and great was its fall. So what's the rock? I always ask this question. What's the rock? Let me say it again. Then everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rock is obedience. Everyone who hears, so everybody can have the opportunity to hear, but not everyone obeys what they hear. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who builds his house on the rock. The rock is obedience. The sand is disobedience. Who was the better one? The one that said that they weren't going to do it and went off and did it? Or the one that said that they were going to do it and then didn't do it? He makes his point very clear. In Luke 8, Verse 19 to 21. Then his mothers and brothers came to him. So Jesus was in a house uh, speaking with his disciples. A lot of people had gathered around because he was known as the healer. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. We are the mano of Jesus when we hear his words and do what he says. So my riddle that I put out to you today is to take this. I'm not saying that, that uh, you know, you've got to be like the Bereans. You've got to search out scripture for yourself. Is what she's saying true? Is it real? As you come together in Karakia, 
as you come together in your groups of karakia, lifting this before the Lord. God, we're not sure about this, but God, we, we offer it to, to, to you that you would come and that you would speak to us and confirm it. Because one of the marks that Jesus is moving, he said that there will be signs following. The promise that hearts will be awakened, that lives will be changed. You know, I've struggled to come to, um, to try and get a word for this, what I believe is unfolding at the moment. You know, we've got revival or renewal or move of God. I, to me, the closest that I can come to is renaissance. Renaissance, when everything is shifted in society. If you can even see outside of the walls of the church, this renaissance that's happening in Tiao Māori. It's happening in government, it's happening outside of government, it's happening in the restoration of lands, it's happening in, in the restoration of, of peoples, of reparation. That's a, a renaissance, but I believe that God is wanting to do a renaissance of the heart through Jesus the Christ and Him alone. And I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I'm seeing an awakening that's starting to happen. So... What is your place, I hear you ask. <laughs> is this okay? I know that it, it's, uh, I feel like I've come and I've sort of gone, bang, bang. <laughs> but I know that you're poised. You know, one of the things I, I was thinking about that wakatoki um, this morning. Hūtia te reto o te harakiki, kei uia to korimako e ko. Maku e ki atu i ahate me nui o te ao, he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. If you pluck out the centre sheet of the flags, where will the kurimako sing? I will reply, what is the most important thing in the world is people, that is people, that is people. That's a wakatoki that belongs to you, e kurimako. Te hahi o kurimako. If you pluck out the centre of the harakiki, what's harakiki? There's an indigenous uh, plant of Aotearoa that, is, uh, it, it, that uh, uh, gets used for all sorts of things. That was one of the one of one of the key things that uh, that was used um, to uh, to showcase Māori ingenuity and entrepreneurship. You know, uh, great um, factories were started because they, the, so many um, nations used the harakiki uh, uh, out of rope. They, it was turned into ropes and they used it all around the world. What happens if you pluck out the heart of the harakiki, of that which is indigenous to Aotearoa? Where did the Orimaku see that beautiful, fluid, bright, sound that was talked about this morning. As we are in the season of the dark, the season of the ruru, see God is giving us eyes to see into the dark space of the moment. And what is the darkness? It's a darkness of, um, of um, not being able to tell the truth from a lie. This constant chatter. All these people saying all these things you don't know what to believe. You know, even just even watching this, what's been played out with with COVID and with um, with the vaccinations and you know with the, with the different uh, national leaders, it's just it's that constant chatter and noise. That's the darkness at the moment. It feels like darkness, doesn't it? The season of the Ruru is to be able to see in the dark. In an uncertain, tangled time of constant chatter, a cacophony of sound, a sound wall, it is crucial to be able to see and to see clearly and to hear clearly. See, the thing about the ruru, because of its wing structure, um, it flies silently, you actually can't hear it. Which it needs to do that so that, that um, it, can, it can do what it's called to do uh, in, in the dark. So we, like the Ruru, God is giving us the ability to be able to see into dark spaces what's going on. And I believe this is one of the things that he's highlighting at the moment. He's moving in that space and he's inviting us to, to, um, to, to partner into that space. Interesting thing that I found about the Ruru, did you know that their, their eyes are fixed? 
So you know, like our eyes are like in sockets, so we go like that. The eye of the voodoo cannot. Their, eye, their eyes are fixed like headlights. So that's why you see their heads turning so quickly. I believe that uh, for those that are prophetic, I believe in the past that, that uh, we turned and looked to that which we believe God was saying. This time, like the voodoo, God is turning, the, the, the head has been turned. What represents the head in scripture? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. This time it's the head that's turning the eyes of the prophets to see what he wants them to see. Which is a place of safety for us. So that we don't have to think, oh, is that God? I'm just like, what's that going on? He is the one that is turning the heads of the prophets because he's saying to those that are prophetic, this is what I want you to look at. This is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to speak about. It's a great, safe, uh, a great place of safety. So I'm, I'm, I will finish with this. Um, what I believe the place of the church at this time is to be, is to lay down your lives. We talk about being missional, but again, we get it so structured in our thinking, mission means this. Mission means I give money to the Philippines. Mission means that, or I can't currently go, but I go to Africa. Being, to be missional means that you are stepping outside of yourself to serve that which has not previously been a part of who you are. That's a missional way of thinking. So in, uh, let me just read this to you. Uh, this is John 12. So this was Jesus' holy week when he was coming into Jerusalem on the back of the, on the, back of the donkey. He, got, he said to his disciples, go, and there'll be a donkey there, blah, blah, blah. So he comes in, and it says that the, uh, everybody just sort of got caught up in it, and uh, the disciples put their cloaks on the back of the donkey, and it says that the people laid down palm branches and cloaks as he entered into Jerusalem. This is John 12. The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of, of, of Israel. Hosanna! Save us! That's what Hosanna means. Save us! The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way. They took palm branches and went out. In Matthew 21, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I believe that the role of the church is this time, at this time is not just to lay the palm branches on the road, as we see this great move coming into Aotearoa. I believe that the, the place of the church is to become the palm branches. It takes a real place of humility, of, um, of learning how to go low, of learning how to not have all the answers, learning how to stay close to wairua tapu, learning to, to hear the voice of, of uh, ihu karaiti as we go low to that place, laying down ourselves, for this, this, that which is, is rising up, trusting that we won't understand it all, but being willing to hold that space, hold that tension of the awkwardness, of the not knowing, trusting that we're hearing the Lord to lead us and guide us along the way. That, I believe, is what is currently unfolding in our land. And you, Kurimako, have been given an invitation. What that means going forward for you, that, that comes from a place of prayer. As you gather together, as you as leaders gather together, what does that mean for us? Engaging more into our Māori. And I believe that part of this move is that God's going to open unprecedented doors for you. In unusual ways. Because one of the hallmarks, I believe, uh, 
Uh, and I sent this to, to you this morning, Jay, about being a servant. And, and even like that, that parable that I said about the, you know, the, um, the faithful ones that were given the talents. Dear Lord, I made, I made more. And I just feel like your heart to serve, um, that, that the Lord is he's going to open up um, your understanding to see and hear more about what, what he's doing at the moment. Because that has been your desire. And I believe because of your faithfulness and your heart to serve in this way, God is going to release something in here for you to be able to share and declare even what, what God is saying. And some of those things have been kept secret, kept secret and he's going, to, he's going to share them to you and, and reveal them to you. And Because that's, that's part of the, here, here some, <laughs> that, you know, that um, got even uh, another 10, you know. So um, I just I want to bless you today. And, uh, yeah, I acknowledge you and your, your heart of service. Uh, that's going to be one of the keys going forward. How do we serve outside of ourselves? How do we go and sit and not have the answers? How do we go and sit in, in spaces and... Shh. It's a big thing when we've got a lot to say. How do we do that? How do we go and learn really well how to do the dishes? And I'm not, I'm not speaking, I'm not pointing my finger and speaking. This has come right back to me. I'm recognising and understanding that this is what I was doing at the moment. He is opening up a door of engagement where it's previously been cut off. And in some ways, it's like there, there's been a, um, you know, it's a, it, it's a legitimate reason why they've, they've shut off to the church. Over many, over many, sorry, I keep moving. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> over, over many generations. I, I said I'll finish this, I'll finish with this. So <laughs> A lot of you have heard the story about the revival that happened in the 1830s into the 40s. Unprecedented move of God, where, where Māori turned in their thousands to faith in Jesus Christ, even Karaiti, where the word of God, the placard of Tapu, was eaten up because Māori saw themselves in the, in the, um, the, the children of Israel. They understood the stories of the Old Testament. They understood the stories of, of Jesus, that when his waka papa was the first thing to, to introduce him, they understood that coming from a people of waka papa. But then that got um, broken and destroyed because of, because of greed, because of desire for land, because of, of, of uh, misunderstanding and broken partnership, broken covenant. I'm convinced that what is going on now, God is giving us an invitation, the second invitation, the second invitation to complete what was started. That mission was interrupted. God is giving us the second invitation to the same guests <coughs> to go and complete that which was started. Beautiful people. We've been invited on this journey. God, I just, I pray that um, that was a lot to take in, I know. Um, but Lord, I ask that there'll be um, grace to receive the message. Like, um, like Paul says, we see in part. We understand in part. God, I pray that um, that you would uh, grace us with the ability to fully understand what you're doing at the moment in Aotearoa and show us our place in it. That wouldn't be a hard thing. That God, if this is you, if this really is you, there'll be an ease to the engagement. There'll be an ease to the door opening. There'll be an ease to understand what you're doing and saying at this time. But I pray that that will rest upon the people today, I ask in Jesus' name, that there's no pressure, there's no um, uh, needing to push, 
that they'll understand that, uh, that they come to this place of being led by the shepherd. <coughs> so I pray that today. In Jesus' name. Reveal your cross, ever illuminated. Let it shine in the darkest night. I see it there, so fix my gaze upon it. In life and death, I find my rest. Stand Oh. 